This is our fourth Sunday in Colossians. Um, yeah, it's been in the lectionary for the last four weeks, so we've been spending some time on it. I got to kind of do a devotional yesterday morning at the campsites. Um, I said in the welcome that about half of our church is camping um, this morning, which was a lovely weekend. We had pr- perfect weather. It was really lovely. Um, and so I, I, I led some devotions Saturday morning and kind of had a conversation around um, this text from Colossians 3, which, um, you know, you'd think like that's a, a, a dress rehearsal. Honestly, it raised more questions for me about what I was saying, what I planned on saying this morning than it answered, um, which, is, which is kind of, of true of the nature of what we're talking about this morning, which is in general the idea of growth. Um, and we'll get into it in a second. Let's read first from Colossians chapter 3. So, if you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of its creator, In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you have an embarrassing diary laying around somewhere in some box that you haven't opened in a while? Uh, I heard about a show, there's a show in Chicago, a comedy show, well, I don't know if it's comedy, maybe it's tragedy, but it's, um, it's a show purely of people showing up with their middle school and high school j- diaries and reading excerpts from it, and you just listen to, you know, all of these things that all of us wrote when we were in middle and high school. Um, I have a blue book, hardcover blue book journal, really good paper. And I got it when I was 11, and we were about to move down to Haiti. And my mom thought it would be good if I had somewhere to write, you know, what I was going through as we were moving from South Dakota to Haiti to be missionaries. And the first page is a couple dozen Creole words and their translations. And on the second page, I write, During fifth grade, God planted a seed, saying Haiti is where we need to be. So I knew I couldn't fight it. And then like two pages later, because the journaling didn't go well, I write, I'm now a sophomore. (laughs) I'm now a sophomore, going to be a junior in Brandon, Wisconsin. I'm 16, have a girlfriend, my license, and I'm tasting the real world. End quote. (laughs) Uh, I end the quote there because it only gets worse. Tasting the real world. Um, 
I, was, I, I, I pulled out these journals because I was thinking about this idea of, of growth, which I kind of have a hard time preaching about because it feels like you, 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 you end up preaching this kind of doomed message about how if you're not growing, then you're, then you're just not trying hard enough. That, that always, I have such a hard time. I don't want that to end up being the message, but I also do want to talk about not being in the same place that we, that we were five, ten, however many years ago. From a different journal, from 2015, I, I, I found this. I don't have much motivation. Like, I can't remember what it feels like to be excited about something. I really do believe that normalcy and ambition, energy and joy will come back to me. But right now, they're all interrupted by anxiety. Um, we're making a pivot in Colossians 3. In the first two chapters, Paul writes some of the most beautiful stuff about who Christ is. I mean, it's, it's beautiful theology. It's helpful for the Colossians. But in chapter 3, he pivots to, what does this actually mean? What is this actually going to look like in your marriages, in your community, how you treat people that you call barbarians? How is this actually going to take root and transform you into someone new. That's kind of what we're getting into here today. And uh, he begins Colossians talking about, all right, being, being a Christian, it doesn't mean adding this to Christ or practicing this Jewish thing or he, he dispels some of those myths about it doesn't mean adding this, this, and this. But here's what it does look like. He uses a few metaphors. He talks about being hidden in Christ, which it sounds like that's actually a phrase that they would have used of the dead who were buried and uh, hidden in the earth. And so it was this, this sense of, of, being, of having died a certain kind of death wherein you were now surrounded completely by Christ. He uses the image of clothing. You, you've stripped off the old clothing. You've put on a new set of clothing. He uses the metaphor of, of, of death being dead and then being raised to life. And Jesus talks about being born again is kind of the language that he uses in, in John 3. And there's all sorts of different ways of talking about this. But one of the things that I really struggle with um, as a Christian and, and as a pastor is that um, the assumption in pretty much every letter in the New Testament is that the author's writing to a converted people. Like, I mean, no one grew up in the church. Like, no one's parents told them about Jesus. All of these people that are starting the early churches that are being written to in the letters in the New Testament are converted believers who obviously would have had a very particular understanding of, you once lived like this, and then three months ago, your life changed. And... Um, Conversion is, is, is just an assumption in all of the letters. So thickly, in fact, that some denominations, even up until today, I think, you know, require a very specific account of when was your conversion? When did that switch happen for you from, 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 from darkness to light? And, um, you know, I was baptized when I was a month old. And I was a preacher's kid. And so I can... I can so I, I have a hard time relating to that story. That's just like so assumed in all of these letters. And um, I know what it's like to have sort of doubts in the midst of faith. I know what it's like to be trapped by sin in the midst of faith. But, um, you know, 
praise God, I, I've never lived without some sort of like mooring, some sort of anchor to the Christian faith. Um, and so what does it look like for me? And you know, if that's a lot of your stories. Um, what does it look like for us to experience this growth that seems so exaggerated to me? You know, the, this, this death to life, this incredible transformation. What does it look like for, for us in our day-to-day, our week-to-week to experience some of that transformation? As I was like doing some research and looking, you know, I, YouTube is this bizarre resource for preachers, which usually gives you more bad material than it does good. But um, I, I started just playing this one clip of this person. I liked the title of the sermon. I was like, I don't know who this person is, but I'll listen to it as I'm kind of searching for some other stuff. And, um, you know, he said exactly what I don't want to say, which was this. <laughs> uh, he said, every single area of your life should look different because you are saved. Yeah, like, yes. Um, how, and he continued, how many of you were just like, oh, because we think of all the ways we're not new and we're not different. Well, let me just make things even worse for you. He was serious. Not just in every way, but every day. Every day you should be different and better than the day before. And I thought, that's, I don't want to preach that. And, and it feels like every time you talk about growth and maturing, um, it's so hard to avoid this impending sense of doom that you might as well give up because... You're, you're not going to be good enough today or tomorrow or next week, and so just, just call it in. Um, and I, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And the, the mark of Jesus' ministry was that the yoke of following Jesus was just so much lighter than the world's, and yet there's this moralism that slips into our churches that, um, yeah, that, that can feel very damning, um, So what does Paul say about growth? Well, let's just look at a couple things. Paul says, um, Paul says first to put some things to death. And this, is, this, is, uh, this is really interesting. He gives two separate lists. He says first put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed which is idolatry. What do you notice about this first list of things? Um, it's not a very diverse list. Like the five things he names are... I mean, it's, it's a stretch to say they're, say they're synonyms, but they're definitely, definitely all related to one another. He's not trying to just, like, list out all the sins that you should stop doing. He's, he's naming a, a particular set of five. Aaron's looking up the Greek right now so he can find out if they are synonyms. He'll let us know. Um, it, it, it's an interesting, it's a particular list. And, and I, you know, what I notice about it um, is that they're all in one form or another some kind of consumption. They're all a result of dissatisfaction with what is, a discontentment and lack of gratitude about what is. You lust and you, um, you have these driving desires and this greed when you're not grateful for what's in front of you. When we manipulate the world around us to satisfy our dissatisfaction. Paul is certainly um, condemning a, a specific form of you know, um, Greek worship that would have satisfied every sexual whim and would have viewed those desires as something to gratify. Um, But there's something, I think, more fundamental for us about this list. 
they stem from a lack of gratitude. And when we stop being grateful for what is, we become discontent and find ourselves feeding this contentment evermore. Miroslav Volf, this is one of the things he writes about quite frequently, about how the marketplace is constantly trying to manipulate and increase our passions, greeds, desires, our consumptive muscles, so that we're just always flexing it, always wanting to take in more. Let let those muscles rest for a little bit. Put those muscles to rest and instead give thanks. And then he gives this second list. Now you must also put to death anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Again, a pretty unique set of things, right? He doesn't talk about murder. There's a lot of things he leaves off the table. And this grouping of five is, is, is held together kind of by that first one, anger. These are all expressions of anger. When we do not get what our greed and our consumption desires, our lusts, our passions we become angry and we slander other people and we use filthy language and maybe that is the connection. I'm not exactly sure what's on Paul's mind here. Maybe Paul just wants them to know how incompatible rage and slander are when you are clothed in Christ. You ever been cut off by someone with a Jesus fish on the, the bumper? On the bumper? Or, or you see them flipping the bird or something? It's just like, huh, hold on, man. <laughs> if you're going to put that fish on the back, you know, you've got to drive differently. Um, Paul wants us to know how incompatible this list is with being clothed in Christ. If you're wearing a Canada goose, you're not heading to the beach. And if you're on the beach, you're not asking for hot chocolate. They just don't work. It doesn't make sense. Later on, he's going to, you should read the rest of chapter three because it gets, it just gets more, it gets really beautiful. Clothe yourselves with love, he says. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. So I was thinking about growth and, and, and sort of what Paul is commending us to. I, I, I also listened this week to um, On Being, uh, who is hosting Ross Gay this week, who is a, is a professor at Indiana U- University. And he just wrote a book uh, called The Book of Delights. He's actually going to be speaking at 5 p.m. at Gilead Church in Chicago, um, which is just uh, north on, well, it's on Lincoln. Um, And um, sort of the the tagline for the episode was Krista Tippett asking him, how can we be joyful in a moment like this? And his response is, how can we not be joyful, especially in a moment like this? And in this book, he, every, every day he writes an essay on things that delight him. And it's, it's things like the, the bicolor of the sweet corn that he's eating. It's, it's, it's the really basic things that you don't delight in unless, unless you do, right? Unless you take a moment to delight in these things. And so he's a, and he's a brilliant writer and he, he they got to hear, he read some of them on the podcast and it's really lovely. And his point is that There are so many things to delight in and how dare we let anything steal the joy that is possible for us and that when we shrink from joy, it's not that we solve any of the world's problems. Um, We probably increase them if if um, if we shrink from joy. Paul's advice to the Colossians, I should have counted them, probably a dozen times, is be thankful. There's even a short sentence In, in, in when you're reading in Colossians, at least in the NIV, and Paul doesn't have many short sentences, but it's, it's just the phrase, and be thankful, and be thankful. 
And he closes the section of chapter 3 by encouraging people to always give thanks to God. And I think that's one of the reasons that I try to journal every now and then. Because if I don't write things down, I forget what to be thankful for. And it feels like I'm never growing. If I, if I, if I never write things down, um, I forget where I've been. And, um, and it often feels like in the week to week, can you see any growth? Are we being more transformed into the image of the creator? In June of 2015, which was the same, the same month that I, uh, I wrote that, that second journal entry about my anxiety, in, later that month I wrote this, man, when I fix my eyes on Jesus, things actually change, which is hard to believe. But tomorrow doesn't seem so difficult when I think about Jesus. When I'm not on my own, then things are easier. I need that reminder for myself uh, of how Christ has been with me along the way, of how my faith has, has, has carried me, because I forget about it really easily. Paul ends this section saying, Christ is all in all. In Philippians, he says, for me to live is Christ. In Galatians, he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And the promise in this section of Colossians is that that the spirit of Jesus is what transforms and grows us. And our task, I guess, is to be soft like clay. Jeremiah uses the image of being soft like clay. And when we're soft like clay, God is always the one who does the work of shaping us and molding us and transforming us. And I think part of remaining soft is practicing gratitude and maybe writing it down. Uh, and so that's, that's what I'm picking up again this week. Practicing gratitude and writing it down so I can stay soft, soft like clay. Because it's easy to become hard. It's really easy to become hard. Um, let's close in prayer. Oh God, by your spirit, would you keep us soft in a world that constantly, um, uh, you know, tells us to toughen up and become harder? Would you make us soft like clay so that you can continue to shape us and form us more and more into the image of your son? God, I'm, I'm grateful that you promise to send your spirit to do the work of transformation in our lives. I pray that you would help us to see where that transformation's happening. Help us to be grateful each day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.